Hi, this is Haley Beebe, the Carveline Color Admin. Welcome to the Carveline Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula Janus. All right, Paul, how's it going, man? It's going good, Jack. How have you been? I, I, yeah, that's it? Just yeah, good? Yeah. No no details? It's the lamest answer ever. I'm I'm really stuck in, you know, I've made the statement a couple times that there's one day a year in St. Louis where the weather's good, and we've been on a roll. It must be the corona effect. You know, we've had a good couple of weeks of weather here, and it's left me speechless. Your refusal to accept science is astounding. <laughs> no, global warming in St. Louis I don't know if it can get much hotter than it normally is here. So I dread those effects. I, I'm not a denier. You, Climate changes. It always does. I'm, oh, because I'm, warming. I'm okay, with okay that, cool. All right. So anyway. I'm appreciating the, the you, nice, cool weather we have had. So today we're going to talk about a, a subject that is actually kind of near and dear to my heart. I know that everybody thinks that I'm the concrete guy and that's really where my passion is. But I, I don't like galvanizing. <laughs> See, I was going to go the other way for you, Jack, and just say that your heart is clearly so big that there is just a lot of things that are near and dear to it. Yeah, anybody who knows me knows that's not true. (laughs) It's not that I don't like galvanizing. It's that when I look at galvanizing and I compare it to zinc-rich coatings now, of course, I work for a coatings company, so I'm a little biased. But that bias is based in knowledge and we're going to kind of walk through some of the advantages and disadvantages and you'll actually be surprised there there will be a time where we we say you should do galvanizing versus coatings it, it won't always 100% be coatings as the answer but let's kind of get into galvanizing versus a zinc rich product i think for the most part we're going to be talking about inorganic zinc silicate products yeah absolutely i think that's the only way if we're going to try to compare galvanizing and zinc coatings inorganic zinc is the proper comparison yeah so let's start with why would we would even compare galvanizing with a coating so with zinc rich coatings obviously they have a lot of zinc in there depending on the type you know your type 2 or type 3 which are the types that are used anymore will vary the amount of zinc that you have in your final product but both galvanizing and inorganic zinc rich silicates like our carbazinc 11 use zinc Use zinc and its ability to be anodic to the steel. That's right, Jack. And when we look at how much zinc is present, galvanizing has a little bit more active zinc exposed to the surface. But years and years and years of testing has shown kind of the sweet spot, especially when we deal with it from a coating side. The sweet spot for the amount of zinc to keep it active is in that 82, 83-ish percent range You know, so we're usually talking about coatings that have a low 80s, low to mid 80s as there's zinc in the dry film. So there's a lot of it that we're talking about there. It's sitting right there at the surface and it's active. Yeah. And it is all zinc. There's a little bit of stuff in there, but for the most part, it's zinc. Uh, With your coating, you have the binder that's holding the zinc together. And it's kind of interesting, some of the stuff that happens. So uh, you might hear us refer from time to time on this show to the Charles Munger book. It is the end-all, be-all book (laughs) when it comes to protective coatings. The name of that book, it's real creative here. I always call it the Munger book. I mean, that's the easy way to remember it. 
Yeah, it's uh, corrosion prevention by protective coatings. So why that's important is obviously as they break down all these different things throughout our industry, they get to a chapter on zinc and they talk about galvanizing and they talk about zinc rich primers, the silicates, the organic zincs. You know, there's a lot of different binders that we can put that zinc powder in. But what's interesting is some of the things that are different. But let's start. (laughs) I sound like I had Bill and Ted in my head. Things are different, yet they're the same. Everything's bigger now. San Dimas High School football rules. Anyway, (laughs) the inorganic zinc and the galvanizing, we got to start with a corrosion cell, right? So when we look at the corrosion cell, you have the anode, the cathode, the metallic pathway, and an electrolyte. So basically, we're looking at hooking the anode to the cathode electrically, And basically, because the anode is more active, it will corrode first. Why that's important is the zinc and the zinc-rich coatings and the galvanizing are both acting anodic in this situation. Where we start to talk about electricity and why I brought that up with the Munger book is when they tested the voltage of both galvanizing and inorganic zinc and they they just kind of wanted to see what the current flow was it came back with both of them at a half a volt they were both basically at the same current flow but then they wanted to take it a step further and they looked at the electrical flow between the zinc rich primer and the zinc galvanizing and actually the zinc rich primer because it the zinc is encapsulated into the the binder it's a little bit lower of a milliamp uh, connection and and so there's a good and bad to that right so obviously the current is a better flow between the steel and the galvanizing but what that'll do is cause the zinc to corrode faster when you interrupt that a little bit with the zinc rich silicate now you still are getting your corrosion protection but it's going to take a little bit longer for that zinc to corrode. Right. That was a great summary, Jack. All right. That's my foray into electrical engineering and I'm done. (laughs) You're going to stick to your day job now, huh? But so like really the difference is when we think about at a chemical level between inorganic zinc and galvanizing is whether or not the zinc particles are encapsulated into another binder system. And what's kind of also nice is that that binder system dries very hard, very rock-like with these zinc-rich silicates. You get a better, harder surface with the inorganic zinc because of that silicate. That's right. And so what it's doing is, is that truly is the glue that's holding it together. There's not a lot of it there, but it is the glue that holds it together. Yeah. Here we are again, Paul. We're coming up on October and we're going to be at WebTech. Well, kind of. We're going to be virtually at WebTech from October 5th through 9th. Make sure you go in there. There's a thing called Power Hours and you can meet with a coding expert from Carbline to talk about whatever your situation is and ask questions and learn about products. And that's Power Hours at WebTech. Uh, that's October 5th through 9th. If uh, you do that, you can ask us about a certain product, Paul. Yeah, one of the main products we'll be talking about is Reactamine 760. Basically, you're looking at a hybrid plural technology that has great microbiological induced corrosion, MIC, 
for those of you on the know, and uh, hydrogen sulfide protection. Yeah. So it, ask them about it when you get there. Absolutely. It is also certified for NSF ANSI standard 61, so you can use it for potable water as well. And it will also be NSF 600 certified when that rolls around January 1st, 2023. Exactly. That's Reactamine 760 and uh, WebTech. Thanks. So now let's take a look at the process at which both of these things happen. So like you have a piece of steel, you know you want to protect it with zinc. In inorganic zinc-rich coating, you're going to apply that by spray. Yeah, that is the preferred method of application for the zinc-rich coatings. It's well understood. Anybody who has sprayed paint industrially has been around it if they haven't done it themselves. It uses the same equipment that we use for all of our other industrial coatings. There's no specialized training that's required. It's a little knack to mixing it up because you're putting a lot of zinc powder into a little bit of liquid, but it's not a complicated process. You see it done once and you got it nailed. Yeah, a lot of the times the steel suppliers will do the application of the zinc-rich coatings themselves. Yeah, and a lot of these steel fab shops and where they have roller presses, inorganic zinc is a really common primer that they put on it. It's got a great recoat window, it weathers well, and it's really fast dry, so they can keep steel moving through the process really well. And quite honestly, a lot of these places are in humid environments anyways, and most ethyl silicates are accelerated by humidity. It's just a process that works really well for them. They don't need a lot of climate control that way. Exactly. And so then when you look at that, now let's look at what it takes to galvanize a steel piece and basically you're having to dip that steel member part whatever into liquid zinc into a quench pit so you can imagine as you get into bigger parts this becomes harder that's right and it's multiple tanks that these parts need to be dipped in through the whole process of galvanizing so the bigger more complicated your part is the bigger that tank needs to be and so if you have things that are sticking off the sides, if you have arms on it or, or a wide structure and long, your tank has to be able to accommodate all those shapes. So it either requires some manufacturing details to be taken in, into consideration or you have multiple dips. You also have to worry about the pooling zinc as it flows through there, because when you dunk it and submerge it, Liquid is going to pool in any closed areas where it, it creates a cup-like environment. Those areas all need some place to drain because you don't want that to just puddle up mm -hmm. there. Yeah, so logically, from a logistics standpoint, when you think about the process, galvanizing makes a lot more sense for things that are smaller right. than it does for large steel members. Because a lot of times when you're talking about bridges, things like that, you know, your steel manufacturers aren't the ones putting on the zinc on the galvanizing. So now you're having to ship those steel members to another shop where they get galvanized and then sent out to the field. In a certain way, it's actually significantly less green to galvanize than it is to just paint the material in your shop and, and send it out on a truck once. That's right. One of the big things, if you think about big parts versus small parts, if you were to tell me we have four ton of nuts, bolts, and washers that need to be that need to be zinced, I would 100% of the time tell you send them to a galvanizer. Yeah. Because that is not an efficient way to apply liquid applied zinc coatings. That's not the way to do it. That is no. ideal for a galvanizing system. Now, the last and final hammer, the biggest hammer of them all, Thor's hammer, if you will, for... 
reasons to use inorganic zinc or galvanizing is, do you like the color of galvanizing? Because if you're ever going to top coat it, there is no reason on the face of the planet ever to pick galvanizing versus inorganic zinc if you're going to put a polyurethane or epoxy on it because it's a world of difference when you top coat the two. Right, right. The amount of surface prep required for a galvanized system is much higher than the amount of surface prep required for a liquid applied zinc coating. Well, yeah, you're going right over the liquid applied zinc coating. Right. However, with the galvanizing, you need to blast. Yeah. And there are products on the market, right? Yeah. That you don't. Right. Right. And all you have to do is go back to any episode that we've talked about service life and surface prep and together. So you could use a bonding primer. Yeah. But you're half, half your service life if you go bonding primer. And let's keep in mind too. What's the environment? Yeah. You know, those differences might be inconsequential, but service life is always tied to surface prep. Mm -hmm. So even if you are using one of those bonding primers or one of those intermediate primers, that performance would be improved by more surface prep. Correct. Let's just real quickly run through this. You get your inorganic zinc. You're going to, if you're going to put an epoxy or urethane on it, you're going to make sure it's clean and dry. You're done. You're ready to go. Galvanizing, you have to remove any chemicals from the galvanizing process because there's usually a film. Yep. You have to mechanically abrade the surface. And because of the different things that you have to do, if you don't blast, your adhesion properties of your top coats aren't going to be as good. Right. And so, like, if you like the look of galvanizing, there's nothing wrong with that and you like silver. But, like, if you ever want it to be anything other than silver or faded silver... It really doesn't make any sense. When people call in on the tech service line and they're asking about painting galvanizing and the first thing that I tell them is that they have to blast that really nice new expensive <laughs> galvanizing right. they put on there, <laughs> usually doesn't go over very well. No, no, it doesn't. All right. So that's galvanizing versus inorganic zinc. You have many factors to consider. They seem to work very similar hand in hand. You know, there's zinc protection. We're splitting hairs when we're talking about the difference in, in zinc protection. Oh, yeah. However, the application properties make it significantly more easy to do inorganic zinc coating for big steel members. And then if you're ever going to top coat it, you want to go with a paint primer inorganic zinc. It's just easier. Yeah. So for Paul, I'm Jack. We'll see you next week. And so for the Carbaline Tech Service Podcast... I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd like to thank you for your support. Who put the line in Carbaline? Who put the line in Carbaline? No matter where I go, they don't know what I mean. I say Carbaline.